legends like Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Anthony Irwin. Like this guy here. His name is Fagan. Harrison Fagan. Welcome everybody to the Lakers Lounge. Back to the Lakers Lounge. We are sitting in the Lakers Lounge. It's it's like four o'clock my time on a Thursday. Like that's an okay time to be in a lounge. Yeah, I mean, for you know, on your old work schedule, this would have been you know weekend happy hour for you. So I think that's totally reasonable time yeah. to be in the lounge. I, I, I mean, mean, it's yeah. it's two o'clock where I am, so that's like probably a little on a work day where I'm expected to have to work several more hours. But it's fine. I'm drinking a I'm drinking a sparkling water. That's about as lit as I ever get. So <laughs> you know, I'm good to go. I kind of want to just isolate. That's about as lit as I ever get. Like that, <laughs> that's the... you should bring me on. You should bring me on with Aaron for uh for the hook, and you guys can talk about whatever's in your cup, and I'll just be like, yeah, I got an Arrowhead sparkling water here. It's uh, you know, it's a little harsh, but I'm I'm getting through it. <laughs> do you ever do you ever do like flavored sparkling waters, or is it sometimes? Just the... Yeah, I mean, the, usually like I, I mean, I'm trying to I'm drinking it for like health reasons, like to stay hydrated, so I try not to add like too much chemicals or you know whatever junk to it. But yeah, I mean, mm. occasionally I'll mix in a flavored one. So if you're trying not to add anything or any kind of chemicals, the, the stuff that makes it bubble probably is is a chemical. You know, I am choosing to not believe that. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but I don't think so. I'm pretty sure there's like a process for that. I'm technically being healthier than you. This is just regular old. Yeah, I mean. Not tap water, but. but uh, yeah, I think it's just minerals. I don't know. I don't really know how that works, to be honest with you. So. <laughs> well. Today's show isn't anyway. Be if you're, all about if you're water. into sparkling water, just explain that to me on Twitter. I'm not. I, you know, that's let Anthony and I know if I'm being unhealthy or not. <laughs> let Harrison know because I, I really don't care. <laughs> <laughs> uh, today on the show, we have a few things that we have to get to. So uh, the news, literally, like minutes before we started recording, uh, the Lakers let everybody know that. Uh, LeBron James is now considered questionable for tomorrow. Uh, earlier today, it was 50-50, according to uh, Mike, or no, not Mike Bresnahan, uh, Dave McMenamin. It's too many, uh, no, it's not even a Mick thing. That's weird. But uh, <laughs> according to Dave McMenamin, uh, it was 50-50. Now the, the Lakers are officially listing him as questionable. So Harrison, technically speaking, uh, LeBron has the same likelihood of playing in tomorrow's game as you and i do of being here and just like walking you know, i'd vertically. say his is probably a little higher he he also told dave i hope uh, when asked if he would play on friday and it's like you know you're lebron if you hope that something is going to happen in regards Generally to your playing speaking. time it's probably going to happen you know like yeah. it's it, this is not this is not like uh like uh, like chandy brown being like i hope that i can play tomorrow you know yeah <laughs> I audibly chuckled because usually the policy for the Lakers when guys are coming back from practice is like, yeah, we got to get them, you know, a full run and see how they play against each other and with each other and all that stuff. And then uh, in the in the game yesterday, I guess there was a quote from Frank that he told the people he was speaking to that 
LeBron isn't the kind of player who necessarily needs to play against other people. He was like, Frank, you aren't in charge of that decision. No, I mean, Frank has admitted <laughs> that. He, when yeah. people have asked him, there, someone asked him the other night, is there anything else you need to see from LeBron, you know, before he can take the next step and kind of get back towards the court? And he's like, you know, I leave that up to LeBron and Mike Mancius. And that yeah. was like one of the most honest answers I think Frank has ever given. And like, is there I anything, mean, is there anything so. else you need to see from uh, LeBron James? Yeah, I, I need to hear him tell me I'm playing tomorrow coach <laughs> yeah, like, with, with all due respect to the question like yeah i mean that's that that's the process the process is lebron and his longtime trainer who has kept him very healthy for a long time and mm -hmm. seems to be very qualified at doing that uh you know are going to decide that and i think honestly that's how it should be do you think lebron calls frank coach I've always wondered yeah, this no, about he like does. professional. He does, in, uh, he, he does in like interviews and stuff. Yeah, I think like, he calls him Coach Vogel. When I was younger, when I was younger, it was like uh, it was kind of a pet peeve of mine where I would hear players refer to their coaches at like by their first name, and it's like it you know doesn't matter at this stage. Like you know whatever you do, however you respect your coach is how you choose to respect your coach. But yeah, I've always kind of wondered that with superstars. Like does, does like Russ is like one of the most prideful people out there, right? Does he want to assign a title to somebody that implies respect over another human being? I don't know. I would I would kind of wonder. Uh, most of them, if I'm remembering correctly, most of them call him coach when they're talking about him in interviews. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's what they call him when they interact with him. But, yeah, I believe they all mostly <laughs> refer to him as coach. <laughs> it's like, what up, Fred? I mean, Fran? What's it, Fran? <laughs> Freak, flip, flip, right? What's up, Fizz? Oh, sorry, not not yet. <laughs> no, they call Fizz coach, and they call Frank. <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> uh, literally. All right, so let's go ahead and, and with the fact, we're just going to concede that we think LeBron plays against Boston, um, that he makes his return, and that he starts. I think that's another safe assumption if, if LeBron is available. So that means somebody is seeing the bench. Somebody is heading to the bench. And, you know, there's, there's, I think, a conversation to be had about two players. And there's one who definitely probably should see the bench. So I'm going to let you guess between, you know, who I think the, the conversation between two players might be and the player I definitely think should probably see the bench. Okay, so if it was anyone else, I would assume that the two players are Mello and Avery Bradley. But the what, like, since it's you, I'm like 50 50 on whether or not you mean Russ is the one that should definitely go to the bench. <laughs> Fair. Fair. But Touché. I'm pretty sure you meant Mello and AB. And I think <laughs> my guess is that you're saying AB should definitely go to the bench and you know, that THT should continue to start and then LeBron obviously come in over Melo. But you're, I think, I, my guess is that you're on the AB to the bench train regardless. Actually, it's Russ. No, I'm... <laughs> but no, it's... <laughs> I wouldn't have even been, like, that surprised if that's what you, if, if that's where you were going with this. Harrison, just hear me out, okay? <laughs> I'm not doing it. I will leave the podcast. Uh, today on the show, oh, hey, hey, Harrison, Harrison, you're supposed to be, oh, Harrison left, so it's just me here. It's just another episode of The Pressure Cooker. Um, <laughs> are you with, uh, so, so are you, are, are you, was I right? You're thinking AB yeah, and so I, bench. I, I think, I think, 
I can understand why they would maybe want to send Melo to the bench uh, and offer a little bit more pop off of, you know, with their second unit um, and have LeBron and AD start as your, you know, your four or five combo and get those guys as many reps as you can at those positions. That said, I think it has to be Bradley. If Bradley was playing like even decently offensively, consistently, I, I would say like, okay, I, I I hear the plausibility to that to that approach, but he isn't. Like he hasn't been very good offensively. And defensively, he plays Patrick Beverly defense where he's he has tricked Frank Vogel into thinking that he plays defense. And then, you know, I, I think I think it's not even necessarily that he's tricked Frank Vogel or anybody. Well, he's tricked some people into thinking he's a good defender. But I he think he plays really hard defense. Well, that's the thing. He yeah. he he seems to care about defense. Like he at least seems to like care that there's that side of the court. Whereas, you know, like Russ will take steal attempts in in semi transition to make it so that he doesn't play on that side of the court. Uh, I can understand why why that would annoy uh, Frank Vogel. But Russ is starting, and and I think Melo, despite his defensive deficiencies, is ha- should start. Because he spaces the floor for you, and Taylor Horton Tucker, since he's come back, has been the Lakers' second best, maybe even best player. Sometimes, like, <laughs> like he's he's been, he's been really that kind of good. I, I, yeah, I don't. Russ was really good last night, and I want to give him credit. Like, you know, I know that you criticized him as much as anyone. I thought he mm-hmm. played no, a really I good game last night. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so, uh, like, I don't want this to be like a bash Russ thing, but no. THT has been incredible and yeah i mean i think that frank talked about that you know he's gonna have to consider continuing to start him even whenever lebron returns and like i I think that that's the right call i honestly think that you know if you go like your starting lineup is like russ tht lebron ad and i guess i don't know i guess maybe mellow stays in there Mm -hmm. as the four like I i think you know, I think that group could have a lot of offensive pop and a lot of versatility. And I think THT sizes you up again in the backcourt a little yeah. bit. So the Lakers aren't so vulnerable to having those two tiny guards being picked mm-hmm. on by wings, you know, when they are, even if they are attentive or active like Bradley is. Um, so, yeah, I, I really like the idea of continuing to start THT. But I also look forward to, we don't have to, this is a whole other side, but I look forward to Twitter's reaction when like DeAndre Jordan starts again tomorrow oh when LeBron God. comes back. Oof. Look, man, I'm. We are in in a little bit. We're gonna have a Frank Vogel conversation where I'm gonna mostly <laughs> defend him, but if he pulls that, <laughs> like that's where that's where I start to have. You're issues. preemptively rescinding the rant that you have not yeah, made just, yet. Yeah, just you know, just, just, just in case if he does. <laughs> just that. in case it's all with the big asterisk of like he does not start DeAndre Jordan on Friday. I I need to get like a big flashing sign above me just in case. Like this could be wrong. Actually, that's just, up, just like, like sign, always like, run game since the Lakers have shot themselves in the foot with their starting lineup. I think you know? that that should be like the subtext of the Anthony Irwin show, right? This could <laughs> yeah. be wrong. Like, <laughs> yeah. just get ready. Like I might, I might take all this back. If we ever rebrand, maybe that's what we'll, <laughs> we'll call it, you know? Yeah. Well, I'm already, I'm already in a race apparently with uh, everybody to uh, get to the tales from the crypt. I might have to rename one of our shows, make an executive decision and say like, the ten, the can you dig it, guys? You guys are now the tales from the crypt, starting Christmas. Do you think? I mean, be, you're gonna have you to run that by them off the air, but that's a whole other thing. 
but no, I, I think what's the case not to start THT though? Cause I think, I think there is one. Like almost like a too many cooks in the kitchen type thing. Are you getting the most out of him with those units? If LeBron, AD, and Russ are also out there offensively, like are you utilizing THT? I guess maybe that's the only argument for it. That's the kind of thing that I briefly thought about while I was, mm -hmm. you know, kind of walking through those potential starters in my head. But I still think just like, He's not a perfect defender by any means, but he really has given the Lakers some solid play on that end. Yeah. And I think that just the length and the versatility that he has is something that Bradley for, you know, all of his, you know, activeness and effort and all of those things just can't really provide necessarily. And it's like, it's tough because three spots in the starting unit are spoken for and all three of them are like kind of high, relatively high usage mm -hmm. offensive players. And I guess maybe that's the only reason that you consider sending him to the bench. But like, if you're sending him to the bench for Bradley, like, is that... Is yeah. that really worth it? You know, like, are you getting enough benefit there offensively? It'd be like, one thing are, are if you utilizing was Bradley better. so much better that those bench lineups with Talon are going to be way better. Like, I don't know. I, I'm not, I'm just not sure that I see. I understand what the argument is not to start him, but I'm not sure what I see the counter argument is to bench him. That's like better, you know, yeah. than I mean than the argument to start him. My argument not to start him and again i'm on team start tht i'm just saying you know to kind of play devil's advocate here is that means you get rondo and bradley combinations coming off of the bench and they are bad together i don't think rondo's gonna play now that Le once lebron is back you think yeah i'm pretty sure rondo's gonna be out of the rotation I, if that's I, my, the case, my then, sense from, yeah. from listening to every single availability that Frank Vogel does is mm -hmm. that Rondo, the plan is not for Rondo to play every single game. It's they have been kind of had their hand forced because they need another guy that can run offense with LeBron out and all of those things. And look, Rondo has his warts, but he's had good moments. He's had bad moments during this mm -hmm. stretch. I think he's given you about what can reasonably be expected from him at this stage of his career. But yeah, I don't anticipate that he's going to continue to play now that LeBron's back. Yeah, if it, but that's that would have been my only concern with starting THT is that those if you go to a full bench lineup, which by the way you shouldn't, like you have. Yeah, no, they they don't do that. That's the other yeah. thing is, yeah, you should you shouldn't go to a full bench lineup when you have four guys now like THT, like Russ, like AD, like LeBron, where like one of those four guys should, preferably multiple of those guys are always on the court at the same time. Like at least two of those four guys need to be on the court. Always. Yes. Um, and, and, and if that's the case, then Rondo really, sh there's, there's no, there, you know, Rondo THT, I guess I could kind of see as like a, a pairing that could work where THT is like the, the secondary creator that, that gets downhill because of whatever Rondo starts, you know, puts in motion. So if you have like a Rondo THT AD combination out there, then like, yeah, I, th I think that that kind of a lineup could work. Yeah. I only really like playing Rondo if AD's out there. Like, I don't really see yeah. the point otherwise. You know what I mean? Like, right. I, I think he, he is just such like, he's like a Mario Kart power up for AD in terms mm -hmm. of lobs. And for some reason, like AD only goes to the basket, like on the, <laughs> not only, but he, he yeah. like tries to go for lobs every single time Rondo is on the court because Rondo is such a good lob thrower yeah. that like, that's the only benefit I think of playing him is that One. it really, really engages AD because he, and to, to his credit, it's because he knows that Rondo is going to find him. He's going to look for him. He's going to try and get him going. We're like, do you want to do that much running, that much cutting, all those things if, 
you know, it's Russ and he may go to the other wing and jack up a three pointer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's just, I, I get it from AD's perspective. Like it, this isn't 2k. And if, if he doesn't feel like he's going to get, you know, like get a if he doesn't feel like there's someone in position to like help it set up the mismatch attacks that he wants to go to, like he's not going to do that stuff as much. Yeah. I, I we're going to actually, this actually acts as a perfect segue to AD um, and the season that he's had thus far. And, and well, like I just you... want to say one more thing on Talon yeah. before we move on. Well, I, is... I, I, I was okay. going to, I had another quick little thing to, to add about Talon too, but um, like I said, like the next uh, the, the next segment that we're going to have is going to be about AD, and you and I have both picked up on some weird kind of vibes with him this season, um, and so that's going to be next. But I think also the point of the regular season is to get guys' reps together, right? And especially with a team like this that is so new, that has so little carryover from, one, from last year to this year, you need at least like the combination that you do you did actually bring the productive combination that you did actually bring back from last year to this year they have to be elite like Taylor Horton Tucker LeBron James Anthony Davis that has to be a combination that works and I think the sooner that they really prioritize that trio and then just let Russ become just a straight up wild card that's I think that's the best version of this team I also want to highlight something that you pointed out of like, they should always have two of those four on the floor at the same time. Like the fact that we're already saying that about Talon Horton Tucker after Wild. he's been back for three games is crazy. And it's also like not, it's also not crazy because yeah. he's been, he's been so special offensively, what he's been able to bring to this team in terms of just having, you know, just young legs that are not afraid mm -hmm. to get hit, not afraid to go to the basket. He's just charging at the rim every single time. His jumper has been, I think, relatively on. I don't have the exact percentages in front yeah. of me, but he's been hitting his threes. He's been hitting a couple per game. And so I I have really, really liked what THT has given the Lakers on both ends. He's had some defensive mishaps. He's had a few bad plays on offense and here and there. He's not a perfect player, but he is the Lakers' fourth highest paid player. He is the guy that they chose to invest in this offseason, and he has made them look pretty smart for choosing to invest in him so far. And I think that, you know, you just got to ride that out. Like, he's a guy that you need to be getting the most out of him for this team to make sense, at least in terms of the way it was constructed salary-wise. Because, you know, who the hell knows when Kendrick Nunn's going to be back. But THT is a guy that's in that kind of, you know, if you're looking at this Lakers roster in terms of salary, he's fourth highest paid, Nunn's fifth. Like, you know, however you want to rank the players on the roster, THT has got to be in that top five. And starting lineups are often you know, they're usually the team's most used lineup. And so that's, I think, honestly, a bigger argument than anything to put him in the starting unit is that that is going to essentially guarantee that he gets, you know, he is in the top five in minutes played, which is something that this team sort of needs because of his dynamism on the ball and, you know, the defensive ability that they're counting on him to provide. I'm glad that you mentioned the youth. Like, this is one thing that I think the Lakers overlooked in both the building of this roster and the stubbornness with which they've like they, they've bristled every time somebody mentioned the team's age right and well they're cranky the, they're old you know yeah old like guys the one get cranky <laughs> i wasn't ready for that old guys bristle a lot you know it's just it's it's in their nature look you know you're getting up there in age i wasn't ready for that at all um <laughs> <laughs> but but so so i think for for 
like when you're talking about age in the NBA, one other place that it kind of shows up sometimes is approach to the regular season. All of these guys have seen like, you know, whether it's LeBron, Russ, Mello, AD, uh, DeAndre, Dwight, like so many guys uh, from the Lakers have seen so many regular seasons that their approach to it is like, we just got to survive. We just got to get through it. We just got to survive. And in those spots, like, it's really nice to have somebody as young as Taylor Horton Tucker, who's just like the puppy. I want to go out and play. And the whole time that I'm playing, I want to run really, really fast. And I want to jump really, really high. And I want to go out and try to catch the bird that I'm never going to catch, but I'm going to try anyway. You know, and, and, and I think the Lakers really benefit from that injection of youth and that approach to the regular season. That's why he has looked so good is because so many of these guys are such a slog to watch because they look at the regular, at the regular season. Like it's a slog. Yeah. Like, and there's just, no like, trudge through it. There's no load management to THT. You know what I mean? Like he's yeah. not, there's no situation where THT is load managing on the court. I think honestly, you know, none obviously has not played yet, but that's the reason they brought in THT. They brought in Monk. Like they brought in a couple young guys that are still trying to prove themselves, like get their spot in the NBA because they knew that they needed some young legs, so like a puppy out there like that. You know, like my, my dog is not a puppy anymore. He's like getting, you know, I think he's like 11 or 12 now, maybe 13, but mm -hmm. he still very much thinks he's a puppy and he's very tiny dog like we'll go on walks and he has had like you know when he was a puppy I think he broke his foot before we got him he's always had a little bit of a limp or whatever but mm -hmm. it's like when we're on a walk like he's still walking on that like yeah, that janky foot like he's still running he's not limping whatever we get home he's limping the whole time he's got his, uh, his paw up in the air he's got to yeah. lay down whatever but like when he's out on that walk he's still going and that was honestly what I was thinking about with THT you know he jammed his surgically repaired right thumb in that game last night yeah and he's just looking at it he's what Whatever. like i'm pretty sure it was the next play he went right to the basket and i thought like, it was still weird doing... that he was licking his paw like i like <laughs> <laughs> he was trying to hide it and growl at anyone that came near him and yeah, yeah. the trainer's like tailing you okay <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i no I, I, think... I really think though that like when you That's when you're talking thing. about like why do why does the why do the lakers so look so different with him out there it's because like he's the only guy out there playing with any kind of joy like he's out there really enjoying being an nba player most of the other guys are like all right can we just get to february can we like can we just please uh, january how about january it was can we so get to the new year hearing how excited he was to go on the long road trip like they were asking everybody about like oh can this road trip? he's like oh yeah like that's where teams bond together like we just get to come together and spend time with each other and like yeah. you know you could tell he was looking forward to like he you know like had his one year in college he's like ready to get out on the, he's like played in like two pandemic nba seasons and yeah. spent the the first one <laughs> mostly with the g league team like traveling yeah. around by bus and all that like he, he's definitely excited about his like NBA road trip experience. And I think like that kind of stuff, again, that can like kick a team into gear a little bit, like that kind of enthusiasm teams need that. And they yeah. need the guy that they can like, Oh my God, did you just see what Talon did? Like he, he knows it's November, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's all the more reason for him to, for him to stay in that starting lineup. Like, I did think he that just, did he just shit talk Giannis? Like, is he... <laughs> Did you see him try to stand him up? I'm I'm actually honestly no, saying No, yeah, this. he was going at him last night. Like he THT absolutely went into that game like this is a showdown between me and Giannis. Like Giannis <laughs> I don't think viewed it like that. <laughs> and look, it didn't go great for THT, but like I I appreciated that he very much saw that as like like in his head what ESPN was showing on the commercial break was like Taylor Horton Tucker, Giannis Antetokounmpo <laughs> next on ESPN. <laughs> 
I wish AD would have approached it that way. Speaking of, <laughs> let's go ahead and get, talk about the guy. You hate this team so much. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, guilty. Um, so the, the Lakers, uh, the Lakers so far this year, I think, I think they've, they've crossed that line with the number of like bad defenders and, and, you know, guys with, with, with poor instincts on, on a basketball court. And I think the, the guys that that kind of annoys the most tend to be bigs who are, who do have, uh, instincts for the game, especially defensively, right? Because they wind up having to clean up after everybody. When when Russell Westbrook sees a squirrel and he just jets off in the wrong direction, like AD has to defend now an extra guy. Dwight has to defend now an extra guy. And and I think I, I, I've watched AD and I've rewatched a few of these games too. And it's just like a, it's just like a, a weird vibe where he hangs his head a lot and you know, I, I've actually seen Dwight and Russ have a couple exchanges on on the court where they're both pointing at like, dude, you got to be over there, and and Russ is saying, no, and and like, and, dude, you know, I don't do that, <laughs> right, right, and and I think and I think you know, I think Dwight is a little bit better at at masking it, you know, to to take to pull a quote from Alex Caruso. Uh, there are some guys who are better at masking it. I'm just kind of curious, Harrison, like if you have if you've noticed a similar vibe to AD this season. Yeah. So I, I think the Lakers, you know, whenever you, whenever you hear, hear the film room talk and he's kind of discussing the identity shift that this team is going through, like to kind of like being a more small ball team or having less defenders or trying to focus more on offense. Like no one is feeling the pain of that more than the bigs. Like yeah. we've seen the two blowups, like the blowups that have happened, it's been AD and Dwight. Like, why do you yeah. think they're frustrated? It's because they're being asked to do things like cover up for a bunch of mistakes for guys that are just frankly, not that good of defenders. And the Lakers yeah. have sort of turned around on defense. They've made some positive progress. Like, you know, Jacob has a, a piece coming up on the zone that they've been kind of experimenting a little bit. Like they're trying like, to find some, by the way, I, yeah, they're I, starting I, I to like find some zone. answers on that end to kind of like get through the regular season and have a couple different pitches that they can throw and figure out how to use guys and all of that stuff. But I think AD, no one is getting more upset about kind of this directional shift than AD because, you know, he's a guy that wants to win defensive player of the year. Like he wants to be the best defender in the league and prides himself on that. And you know, this roster, you know, if you watch a lot of these breakdowns that are happening, like it's not AD's fault. AD's covering up a hole somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, when you go to cover it, when you leave your spot to cover up a hole, as is expected on defense, you have to trust that someone is going to help behind you. And the Lakers are giving up a ton of points at the rim. And a lot of that is because they are asking kind of these, you know, guys that are not necessarily known for their defensive prowess to drop down and make those rotations and stop guys from rolling to the rim and kind of get those rim collisions that Frank Vogel is always talking about and that he mm -hmm. brings up I swear in every single post-game interview that he has done this season especially when the Lakers don't play well and I think AD is more frustrated than anyone that that stuff is not happening behind him and so he's like I'm out here busting my ass to like stay in front of a guard or to like stop a wing I'm like guarding Zach Levine I'm guarding you know Giannis during this game and I'm getting no back help like no one is pressuring the ball nobody is making anyone pick up their dribble and it's like why am I doing this? How, how could you not be frustrated with that? You know what I mean? And I yeah. understand it from his perspective, 
I don't necessarily expect it to change a whole lot because like you said, the Lakers have, I think, fairly limited defensive weapons, but that's kind of where I'm at with it. I definitely see what you're talking about where he has been a little bit more, I think, crotchety on the court. He has been the one that's been consistently calling the team out when they don't play well. And I think that that's yeah. because it's his end of the floor where he's like feeling those growing pains, the part that he really takes pride in. And it's just not getting done and it's not where they want it to be. So I think one thing that uh, is is really tough for, for AD is the, the layup line, right? The, the feeling of like, I was just there. Yeah. <laughs> you no, know, I was just standing there because I had to go protect for Squirrel Boy over there. I now have to, I was, I had to move off of that spot. And the second I moved off of that spot, we now give up that layup. And I think, you know, in, in defense of Frank Vogel wanting to play two bigs, look, if DeAndre Jordan. That's the only time they've been able to stop anything at the rim is when they yeah. played AD and Dwight. Right. And, and, and like if DeAndre Jordan was not DeAndre Jordan, like if he was an actual NBA player, like they would be able to have a second big there in that specific issue that comes from, by the way, something that AD doesn't even want to do. Like he, do, he doesn't want to play center night in, night out, minute in, minute out. And, and I think like when, when the result of him playing center is there's nobody back there to defend the spot I was just standing at, like that has to get wearisome. That has to just really kind of irk him a little bit. Like I'm making the sacrifice here. The least I could get from any of you bleepers is tag a damn roller. Yeah. You know, just go stand in the spot I was just standing. It's just helping the helper. This is this is high school stuff, and I I can I can. But AD also doesn't really seem like the kind of guy who wants to repeat that that sentiment over and over again. And and I think that's why you see him just kind of hang his head sometimes because he's like, I just I just said that. I just said, don't do that. Like I just said, I'm filling over here. You got to fill for me over here. We just talked about that at halftime. It's the third quarter. We were just talking about this. What the hell is going on? Like I can understand where he's coming from on all of that. Um, because I was usually the guard that the big was yelling at. You have to stand at the spot. I was just freaking standing at. <laughs> yeah. And you know, we've seen it. We've seen him get angry at Malik Monk a few times on the court. Like there, there've been a number of times where he's had to communicate to someone where they were supposed to be. And I'm sure they're telling him like, yeah, man, I got it. And then when they don't do it the next time, it's like, how many times are you going to retell someone? They're like, no, no, no. Okay. I got you this time. I'm on it. And you don't got me, Malik. You don't got me, fam. Jakob Pertl has 27 <laughs> points. And by the way, again, like when I say it's been a weird year for AD thus far, because I think one thing that has kind of happened is that that annoyance on one end of the court sometimes leaks into his play on the other end of the court where he's just like, you know what? If like, that's I the effort, save something in my legs for the other end, yeah, right. I'm going to this mid range jumper real quick. Right. And, 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 and I think like, this is one way, this is probably the most underrated way that LeBron coming back really helps AD is because LeBron is somebody now he's not always going to make that rotation. There are some of those possessions where LeBron is just like pointing at the, somebody else who technically yes. probably should have been in the spot that LeBron should have been in. But like, uh, he they is still somebody who gets on back to where he's supposed to be. Like, that's what, yeah. that's what they're missing is like the Kyle Kuzma, like, Hey, get over there. Right. 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 And, and I think, you know, 
I think the other thing too that that is kind of tough for AD is to have gone from so many defenders who, when they said, I got you, man, I'm sorry, I missed it on this one, would actually be telling the truth and when they, they say, it like, like, my the bad. Next five times. Like, the next five <laughs> times, they were in that spot where they yeah. were supposed to be. They picked up the rotation. They were, you know, they were on it. Or he never had to tell them in the first place. Yeah, like, I, for example, I had a, I drove a, a Mazda 6 there for a while. I loved my car. It, you know, did what I asked it to do. Like, it was, it was a fun little car to drive. And then Jen totaled it. And I had to go from that to my grandpa's minivan. And, and like going from a car that I like actually really enjoyed driving and all those things to this big, ugly hunk of metal, you know, was tough. And, and there were times I would just like, I would drive and, you know, back then I was still doing PR and I was working in, in, in Irvine and I would drive all the way from Yorba Linder, Fullerton area, Abrea area down to Irvine in this piece of shit. Minivan. For those of you that don't live in Southern California, in traffic, that is quite the drive. That's so far. And and it didn't have a stereo. Like, it didn't have a working st- I just, I hated that thing. I hated it. I Thank you, Grandpa, if you're listening, you're, <laughs> for, for, like, helping us out in that spot. But I freaking hated your van. And, and like, I would get out of the car. I would get home from work. And, and I would just get home and immediately go pour myself a gin and tonic. And Jen's just like, what's wrong? I was like, was, was work that bad? And work wasn't that bad. Just, I hated that car. That part of my life was so terrible. And I think sometimes with AD, when I'm watching him in the way he carries himself on the court, he looks like he's driving a a Honda Odyssey. Like he just looks like he's just hating that part of his life that was once really, really fun, I would imagine. Playing defense with guys like KCP and Kuz and Caruso that like understood where they had to be. And then if he told them, like if they miss an assignment and and he reminded them that that was the assignment they had to make. He didn't have to repeat himself again to get them to go to the right spot. And, and I think here for, for, for where he's at right now, getting LeBron back, even while he is going to miss some of those assignments, that's one fewer guy that LeBron, the AD always LeBron has like to be worried about. 20 million times the defender, like of half these guys that are in the oh, rotation yeah. right now, you know what I mean? Like he'll, he'll miss a couple out of like, yeah, you know, I'm not doing that in November. But yeah. when he's able to get there, like he's going to get there and do the thing that he's supposed to do. Right, right. And and I think just getting LeBron back and having another professional defender, NBA level defender, is is really going to help AD on both ends of the court. Because also, like, just in terms of production too, getting LeBron back and getting a few more stops from time to time, like that's really going to help them get out and transition, and that helps the entire team anyway. And also, like, you know who makes it so that teams can't just shamelessly, like, double and triple team AD? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Like, I, I mean, mean, teams get, like, we can talk about the bad third quarters and the, you know, the lack of adjustments and all that. And, like, and there are genuine criticisms to be had there that I'm sure we'll get into in the Frank yeah. Vogel part of this. But, like, you know, aside from all that, like, those teams can make, those teams are not going to make those same adjustments if LeBron is out there. You know, and I know that this has been a problem all year, but the Lakers, LeBron has played in less less than half these games. You know, I don't think that he was like fully activated for all of them, if you know what I mean. Like, I think that he's going to come back ready to be like, hey, no, this is not like going to be an injury season for me. I'm I'm back and I'm good to play and I'm going to be fine. 
You know yeah. what I mean? And, you mm-hmm. know, and look to AD's credit, you know, we all kind of, I think, give him crap about like the, the mid range thing. And, you know, he is taking a lot of those jumpers this year. I believe it's like his highest in several years, at least, uh, or maybe the highest of his career in terms of percentage of shots that are coming from the mid range, but he's also taking, you know, Jacob Rude looked this up for the site. AD is taking, you know, the, uh, the highest percentage of shots that he's taken at the rim since his second year in the league. And, you know, yeah. he's getting, he also has the lowest free throw rate of his entire career. So how could that not seep into a little bit of frustration? Mm-hmm. You know, he's getting hit on some of these plays and not getting free throws and, you know, look, human nature, that's going to make you be like, well, I'm not going to get the calls. Like, why am I going to the rim and things like that? And look, he still has been getting to the rim. You know, you noted in Slack, that he's been getting to the rim kind of less as the games go on. And the numbers back that out. Like he's taken 130 shots within five feet of the basket this year, 56 in the first quarter, 25 in the second, 30 in the third and 22 in the fourth. So that's, you know, defenses are going to wall up. They're going to protect the rim more in the fourth. That's somewhat natural progression of the games going along. But also fatigue. To engage and all of those things. But yeah, I mean, he's been getting to the rim, but I, he also hasn't been totally getting rewarded for it, which is frustrating. And then it leads you to take worse shots. Yeah. So I, um, I think Avery just learned how to open doors and I have to get to, <laughs> to what the hell just happened here. So hold on two seconds. Okay. <laughs> All right. We're good. Jen okay. opened the door for her and, oh, okay. Cause I thought, cause Avery was in her room <laughs> and, and I thought she learned how to open doors and that would have made my life at least 75% worse than it is right <laughs> now. At least. <laughs> All right. Um, let's go ahead and segue over because, you know, with, with the Frank Vogel, you know, the, 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 the progression of shots that AD is taking at the rim going down noticeably over the course of a game, uh, the defense stuff, the lineup stuff. Um, I, I don't know if you've noticed this, and I don't want to turn this into like a – because there's no tweet that I hate more than like the – people are saying and I'm going to use that as a straw man to say that they you know the, to, to argue with nobody about something no, that Anthony, nobody's what, actually who, arguing who about. said Steph isn't a good jump shooter who exactly like like this is one of those cases though like I'm sure you've noticed it in your mentions in silver screen and rolls mentions the comment sections uh I think the the silver screen and roll actual commenters I think are are a little bit more realistic than most of the people that we see on like Facebook or, or, or Twitter. Certainly but, than most of the people on Facebook. <laughs> but, <laughs> All due respect to if you found this podcast via Facebook, I apologize. If you're listening sure right you're now, on, we're not, we're not talking about you. We're not you talking right about now. you if you made it this far. <laughs> but please go take, take a look at your comments. Um, but for, for what I have noticed though, is there are a lot more people holding Frank a lot more accountable for this season than I think he should be. I don't, I'm not saying he's blameless. I'm not saying that he's the perfect coach for this team. I'm not even saying necessarily he's a good coach for this team. Like I, I don't think it's a very good match. I think eventually they can all kind of figure it out, but I don't think this and I roster think he's made some progress on that front to his yeah. credit. Yeah. Um, and, and, and by, like what he does when LeBron comes back and who he starts, I think is going to be a really interesting and telling moment. Because he's going to have to... Like, is he ready to make this philosophical shift when they are at closer yeah. to full strength? But I I, I I, have a hard time... Like, when when the Lakers were playing their worst earlier this year, and 
like I, I think I had a, a lowdown that was named like Will Frank Vogel make it to Christmas, right? Like when 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 that was all going down, I found myself annoyed at the idea that this guy is going to get scapegoated for for problems that are very clearly not of his doing. Like I don't, he didn't put this roster together. The Lakers, Harrison, I'm honestly asking you this right now because I I've been trying to figure it out and I can't even tell you the number. Uh, or I've arrived at a number and I don't like the number that I've arrived at. How many natural small forwards do you think the Lakers have on their team right now? Natural. Like, not guys that have to be slid into a position, one. slid up it's a position. LeBron. I'm not even sure he's a natural one. I think I he's mean, a four. He's, he's I mean, he's a LeBron. Enough. Yeah, like he's, he's LeBron. He, he defies <laughs> position. LeBron could be a natural any position on the court. So zero outside of LeBron. Except shooting guard. Is he afraid of MJ's legacy to, you know, play... <laughs> No one ever talks about play LeBron at the two. Must be the most challenging position. Come, coming up on Disputed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but so, but like really though, like that's the number that I've arrived at. It's like outside of, okay, fine. If we're granting LeBron plays position LeBron, the Lakers have zero small forwards. But that's on also not team. totally fair. So uh, let's say one. Let's say one. I think LeBron, you know, he probably is better served offensively by playing power forward at this stage of his career. Okay. He is still, he has been a small forward his whole but career. I'm saying outside of that guy it's though. Outguy okay. of that guy. It's zero. Outside of LeBron James, it's zero. Zero small forwards, Harrison. What do you think is the most important? Like in my, you've, you've read, obviously you've edited my stuff. And those of you who are listening, I'm, I, I don't know if you've You've read any of the pod posts that I that I put together here, but I've said on multiple occasions, I think the most important position in the NBA, and I have felt this way for years, is the small forward because they tend to be your most versatile defender. They uh, the shots that they take are either those corner three pointers when they spot up in the corner or dunks because they are capable of dunking um, and getting out on the break and all of those things. That's in my opinion, if, even if we aren't talking like most important player period right because like you could argue well if you have a Steph Curry on your team that makes your team another kind of dynamic you have LeBron or Kevin Durant they play their own positions essentially but in terms of role player positional role players that's the most important role playing position that I think exists in the NBA and the Lakers don't have any of them they don't have a single player who plays a small forward naturally and, and like, that's not Frank Vogel's fault. Like, I don't think he went to Rob Palenka and said, Hey, we, I found the market inefficiency here. We are not going to have any small forwards this season. I don't think that happened. No, I can almost guarantee you that it did not happen. <laughs> so like, why, why, why do you think that, why do you think people are so quick to, to, to jump to blame Vogel for issues that are, are, are just staring you right and smacking you right in the face. If it was a snake, it'd bit your face off. Yeah, so let me let me preface this with I actually really like Frank. I have enjoyed interacting with him. I think he's like he's great with the media. I appreciate that he is willing to be introspective about anything other than his starting lineup. Like he, <laughs> you know, he's funny sometimes. Like I yeah. like it. He seems like an exceedingly good dude and like yeah. a guy that you would want to work with if you were, you know, like Boy, we're he seems heading like, towards an all time butt here. Yeah, like the high school coach that you would want to have, all that stuff. Really nice guy. Okay. I Frank Vogel should not have been prioritized in the construction of this roster. And while I think there are two separate discussions going on here, there's one of like, is this roster flawed? And should we blame Frank Vogel for that? The question is no, 
you know, we should not blame Frank Vogel for the roster construction. He clearly is like, you know, I'm he's on the totem pole in terms of people they're consulting when they make additions. Yeah, you, know, you I don't need want to a bottom of the totem pole, totem pole that like everybody else can stand on. Yeah, no, the base is a position. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> He's so he's there. Like, you know, I don't want to say he gets consulted on this stuff. He's and that like, guy. They, if you go to the Jungle Cruise, if you ride the Jungle Cruise at Disneyland, the, the guy who's like right close to the rhino that has its horn, the, the, the last guy that. <laughs> I mean, that might be what's about to happen to him this season um, right. as they're climbing the totem pole. But, you know, while this roster does have its flaws, I think you kind of astutely pointed out some of them. I think that we can also talk about, you know, as a result of them having one small forward on the entire roster is that they have you know like four guys that are best suited as like centers or you know like uh or three guys sorry Power three forwards. guys yeah and you know like they have honestly somehow they have like three guys that are best as centers and like one natural NBA power forward too, if you count Trevor Ariza when he comes back for like the modern small ball that they want to play. And then like 17 combo guards apparently, mm -hmm. because that was like the market inefficiency of the NBA is like not enough combo guards, I guess yeah. on, you know, just needed a lot of guys that could go get a one-on-one -on -one bucket. And then somehow they all got hurt and you know, yeah, it's just, yeah, they're a real flaw. Also, by the roster. way, like if you've read, I, that's my least favorite position in the NBA. I don't, my least I don't blame ar favorite archetype of player. Uh, no, I, t I totally understand where you're coming from. Like, I don't blame Frank Vogel for that. Where I think that there is blame for him is, okay, great. You didn't put this together. You know, it's like that TV show where they give like chefs like a bunch of ingredients and like one thing Love that kind of doesn't make sense for the dish that mm -hmm. they're going to make. And they're like, but you have to work this in. It's the featured ingredient. Is that Iron Chef? I don't know. I don't really watch. Yeah, it sounds chopped. Yeah, whatever. It? It's, it's like one of chopped. these shows. It's, it's a yeah. cooking show. You guys get it. I'm not yeah. cultured. Um, but <laughs> they, you know, that person doesn't just get to go. Well, you can't blame me that this meal's crappy. You know, like it was your job to put it together anyway, you know, and this roster is not perfect, but I also don't think that I, I, again, I think that the Lakers have made some progress in certain areas defensively. I think they've started to embrace the way that they need to play small and these types of things, but it took several games, a lot more games of DeAndre Jordan started starting yeah. than it should have to get there. And I think that that's like, you know, number one, if, uh, like shooting yourself in the foot, like that's the number one worst sin I think he's made this year. I think he's probably, you know, if AB sticks in the starting lineup, like after LeBron comes back, I think we got to talk about like, maybe he's a little too committed to the non-guaranteed contract security blanket guy that was yeah. like a, hey, all right, Frank, we'll bring in one guy that you kind of like, that you really like. And, yeah. you know, I, I think that there have been, and, you know, in terms of like some of the defensive asks that he's had for guys, like, I'm sorry, but like asking Malik Monk to like crash down and stop a roller, like that's not something that you should be asking Malik Monk to do. I understand the injuries mm -hmm. are limiting kind of your options and there are situations where guys are going to be put in unideal positions, but, and they've started to make progress in terms of employing the zone and some other things they've been doing, like so they've they've started to progress in the right direction but this next stretch when lebron comes back is really going to tell me you know it's not fair to blame to blame frank vogel for the roster construction here but at some point you got you have these are the ingredients you have to put them together and if you're not the right guy to do that they're going to find someone who they feel like can and i'm not sure that that guy is dave fisdale but i also don't know like how much worse this team could have looked over the first you know eight games if they were trying to optimize them badly.
You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I yeah. don't think that he's done himself any favors, even if the roster he's been given is imperfect. I don't think that he's leaned towards the best ways to optimize it, you know, yeah. quickly enough. And we'll see over this next little stretch if he's the guy that can do that. And I think that we've seen some malleability on that front from him. Yeah, I thought, like, for example, now we don't know if AD wasn't available to start the fourth quarter yesterday. Um, I, I don't know what the situation was there. But he he, he stuck with the, the lineup to close the third quarter. It shouldn't have opened the fourth quarter. That was a mistake that Frank Vogel made. But and that's, I'm not a, saying like, that's that a hindsight mistake. And, like, you can say, no. like, you know, if it would have worked <laughs> out, he would have said, those, I'm like, riding the hot hand. Like, no, like, that was one of those that, like, you know, if you were watching while they were playing, Milwaukee missed a lot of layups. Like, they, they, they. Fair enough. <laughs> so you you get it then like he's yeah. not and again no, i've never I, said that frank vogel is a perfect coach but he yeah. is a great defensive mind and i think that he deserves at least a few more games to figure it out i expect he's going to get it but yeah i, I mean i think this road trip is huge i think the fairest criticism of frank in terms of foundational issues that he has foundational mistakes that he's made now i don't know to what extent he has control over his staff and uh how like if if he if there is somebody he wants to go out and hire uh is he allowed to do that it does does is he allowed to give feedback on the guys that I they actually wasn't. do bring in you know i yeah, right you know? no i know i mean so, we know that like I, right I'm just, so like well, i'm Frank premising about how great it is collaborating with rob on building the staff but yeah that, <laughs> that also means like hey i like this but also hey by the way i'm not completely building this staff. right right well and and, and i you know I'm, I'm premising this uh criticism with a lack of understanding of the way that that actually works. And, and, and I don't think we'll ever really know, just like we don't really know to the fullest extent, we have a pretty good idea that LeBron is the GM of the team, but we don't know like the, the fullest extent of it, uh, where, where, I mean, we already heard that he overrode the buddy heel trade, right? So we don't know, we don't, we don't know necessarily to the, to the fullest extent, like how far into that, how, how far that power structure, uh, stretches. And now here with, with, like it almost kind of feels like Tom with Greg in 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 succession, where Tom has so little control at the level that he is actually at that he actually lashes out downward at Greg, and, and you know, and I think like where where Tom like Rob goes to LeBron and says, "Hey, LeBron, I think we probably need a small forward." LeBron says, "No." and real then, hoopers only yeah and then and then so like when frank in this case greg goes and asks rob in this case tom hey tom i i think we need an offensive mind on this coaching staff tom slaps greg and 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 hits him with like didn't he throw his uh his coat rack right in the last episode well you know i'm not caught up on succession so thank you for the spoiler i appreciate it well it's not much of a spoiler you didn't really miss anything but... <laughs> someone was mean to someone in this episode <laughs> well or or tom pelts greg with bottles of water how about that that's yeah. that's from way back in the day yeah. right and so like, i i think i think here with so anyway got away from the point i was about to make if we are blaming frank for the staff that he put together, the coaching staff that he put together, the fact that they didn't bring somebody in with more offensive chops, offensive strategic chops this last offseason is a serious misstep. Because once again, we're still seeing the Lakers have problems with simple double teams. Like the fact that they they they, they marvel that the, the way that the Chicago Bulls were swirling around Anthony Davis. What the hell did you what did you expect? 
What did you think? That was, you thought they were going to play him straight up with somebody who was 6'6"? Like that, that's only, how you thought that was going to play out? The only thing that I will defend on that in that specific situation is there's only so much the coaching staff can do there with like a bunch of unfamiliar guys that are playing sure. in unfamiliar situations due to lineup construction. Like they haven't had to play that much off of AD. Like these specific group of guys have not mm-hmm. had to play off of AD that much. Like AD specifically, like we can talk about, yeah, of course they've been playing off of bigs getting double teamed since they were in high school and college and things like that. But like there's an element of chemistry to this it's not yeah. you know computer simulation no, I, whatever like you agree. do x i do B. like anthony davis is i think a he's an okay passer but he's not a great one yeah. and you have to move around him and create situations where he's going to make that read and get it to you and take advantage and you also have to make shots which they didn't do you know yeah. it's yeah right but but i'm saying though like there there are issues that the lakers have offensively where it's it's such a like i think that at one point one of the quotes that was at ad gave about a matchup that they played in, he felt that the other team knew exactly what the Lakers were mm-hmm. calling, right? Pretty sure like, that was the Thunder game, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah and, it was one of the losses. Right, and, and you know, that that's, I think, fair criticism. That offensively, yeah. it's a very rudimentary offense. And, and I think if Frank, you know, didn't ask for a more offensive-minded assistant coach this last season, or if... Uh, or if he did ask for it and and had water bottles thrown at him, like that's 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 something that you know we should maybe get. We'll never get actual clarity on it, but like that's a that's a criticism that is beyond like, oh, you played Rajon Rondo two minutes too much in the game the other night, you know, or or like I, I, <laughs> Russ and, and Rondo should never see the court together. Like for, that's like, that's something that that like it's a. Like, Some of the stuff he's gotten criticized for, he doesn't want to play Russ and Rondo together. It's yeah. just a matter of like, you can't sub someone in for like two minutes and then sub them back out with like Russ and sub. Like, I, I understand he is between a rock and a hard place and has a lot of factors yeah. beyond his control in terms of making these decisions. And so, you know, like that that's a tough situation to be in. But also at some point, like you got to figure it out. Every, yeah. every NBA head coaching job is hard. Yeah, right. I agree. I feel like some of the I simultaneously feel like he is more to blame for the team's struggles than he will get if he does get fired. Like there's going to be a national media outcry about how he was set up to fail and the GM and all this stuff from like, you know, all the national reporters that really like Frank and get along with him. Like there's going to be that. And I think that's going to be overkill if and when it happens. But I also think that the level of criticism he's got where he's like trending after every single loss, like my yeah. night was not Frank Vogel's fault for the most part in my, in, in my evaluation, like, you know, Giannis going for 47 is not because of Frank Vogel. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, yeah. I, I think that, like, uh, honestly, like, you and I, we should come up with, like, a list of things, like, more extreme. Like, we got to get ahead of this because I feel like <laughs> you can't get more extreme than Twitter has been. But, like, I feel like we, you and I together can, like, meld our minds and, like, try and come up with some more insane things to blame Frank Vogel for. Like, I mean, did he come up with the Crypto.com Arena name? I, I mean, we don't know that he didn't. You know what I mean? And I personally, when I have to type out that stupid name on the website, like I'm going to blame Frank Vogel for that. <laughs> is he is he responsible for the team's city jerseys this year that have zero gold in them? The Lakers have zero gold in one of their uniforms. Is that was that Frank's call? Are the city jerseys the the blowout to the Timberwolves the new ones that they just debuted? Is that I don't know the Nike terminology yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That, the, the ones yeah, the, the, the ones that's like the the yeah, that have the blue in it. Okay. Yeah. And the, the ones that are cursed. 
because they have zero gold and they're playing in Staples Center with zero gold on a team that's colors are purple and gold. I that, mean, is ones. Frank to blame for is the lack of fault? progress on like the the climate change accords that we just had like last year? You know, I I personally have not had Frank ad- heard Frank advocate for a greener planet. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. I'm just I saying agree. he could. You know, some people say you know hashtag more than a coach or hashtag more than an athlete. Frank clearly, you know, doesn't care. De- like just yeah. doesn't care about the 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 whales out there that are are you know basically swimming in. Frank a doesn't care about the polar bears. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> we're gonna find out that frank's like an ardent conservationist that like in his spare time like funds like rehab for like marine want, wildlife and stuff I want like him like, to come i want if that's the case if he does actually like if he cares deeply about marine biology frank <laughs> come on this show this is the pod for you anthony's got some orca facts you don't have to talk about your <laughs> rotations here We'll we'll talk about the rotation of the globe. We don't have to worry about we don't have to worry about your rotations. I don't think that like I my sense is that he is not because I feel like the extent of like Frank Vogel's interests outside of basketball are like his daughter's lacrosse team and like pizza. And I think that's like about it. <laughs> Does he like pineapple on pizza? I don't know. I, that has yet to come up, but I just know in the bubble, it was the funniest subplot of the whole thing. He mentioned like missing pizza, like at least like seven times. I feel don't like they have in pizza at Disney world. They did not have like, apparently it was like not up to par or like they had to order out from like a different place, but he kept trying to like throw pizza parties for the team. That was one of the funny things about the bubble was that it was a corporate partner of the NBA. Disney is. And more often than not, NBA players. Everybody was just like, yeah, this resort just this. sucks, man. <laughs> All right. I should so have Coming talked. up next on ABC, LeBron tells us how shitty the Disney World hotel rooms are. These water slides don't even go fast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Dwight got stuck in one last week. <laughs> no, that was deadly. Um, all right. <laughs> that was too mean. You need to you need to rescind that. That was that was not that was not cool. Take it back, Dads. I love you. <laughs> That's gonna do it for this episode of the Lakers Lounge. <laughs> Thank you, Avery, for making the appearance that you made earlier. Thank you, Harrison, for hopping on. Thank all of y'all for for tuning in. Uh, uh, just a heads up, because we have this a lowdown and an episode of the Hook, and uh, between now and the game against Boston. So on all three of those podcasts, I'm going to tell you that the pressure cooker is still a thing. We are still doing that. It's a Friday night, which means I'll probably have a couple extra glasses of wine in me by the time we get oh, going wow. on that. So, you know, you're going to want to see sure me that's get something canceled. you want to like admit on the record. You know what I mean? Or I guess mm. you're getting ahead of it. Like if you say yeah. something that there's like outrage over or whatever on one of these pressure cookers, you could just mm-hmm. need your bot. Look, I told you I was going to drink on it was this. Friday Nobody night. Nobody stopped me. You yeah, know, just, yeah, yeah. You know, La Crema is one of our sponsors. This and was technically an extra one, so this doesn't count as work. Like, you're welcome by going <laughs> the extra mile. <laughs> it's like the NBA finding the Minnesota Timberwolves for the extra. That was like practice, Michael Jordan right? mythologizing his own hangover. <laughs> <laughs> no one has ever had to play through anything this tough. It's like Mike got. I ate bad pizza.